morning, Boston Valley Bible Church, and uh, any others that may be listening uh, to this, uh, this recording. Uh, this is a, uh, a missions moment, uh, time just for a brief report on uh, some of the activities of our missionaries. Uh, believe it or not, they're still working uh, different ways, perhaps, uh, than normal, uh, depending on where they are in the world, what they're doing, uh, but they're active. Uh, thank you to the church. Thank you for the members of the church for continuing to support missions. Um, that even at these times, uh, that money is, of course, is, is necessary for them and their work. Thank you for providing it, for putting missions on your check along with your, your other uh, church giving. Missions or, or global outreach, uh, it's like one of the most biblical things you can think of. We think of the Great Commission, go into the world, preach the gospel. Uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world. It's even, the Old Testament has missions, not in the same New Testament way, uh, but Jonah. Jonah, go to the worst people you can think of that have been so bad towards Israel and tell them about God and his love. Anyway, this is not a teaching on missions, but it's a wonderful subject. I hope as believers that you're passionate about uh, missions, global outreach, and uh, again, thank you for your prayers. Uh, for our missionaries, thank you for support. Uh, two letters we received recently. Uh, I'll summarize one and uh, read uh, another. Uh, Steve Christensen uh, just received this today before coming into church. Um, is Christensen Herald. Uh, Steve and Catherine, of course, were missionaries in Papua New Guinea where they learned a language, a foreign language, translated scripture into that language, took uh, years, and yet they did that successfully and it was wonderful. But now for some years, he's been working uh, primarily from home, doing wonderful work with Wycliffe Bible translators. Uh, and he's, he's, you read his uh, letters and he's involved in several different things. Uh, the one that excites me the most, and he's excited, is called Translator's Notes, where it's kind of like you think of a commentary like we might use, but Steve, along with some others, but Steve is writing translator's notes, which are a kind of commentary used by translators around the world in different languages, uh, how you might translate something into this language and this people group, because it's an incredibly challenging uh, idea. If you ever get a chance to talk to Steve, um, he's really an interesting person. It's so challenging, but uh, the progress is good. They have done translator's notes, and that means he does this, and it can be used by different translators around the world. So his work is really something. But um, he, he's working on that. They've accomplished quite a few books. They just finished Romans, and uh, there are others that he mentions, and that's wonderful in the, the progress. He also says in this letter, let me read one sentence. I mentor the people working on Nehemiah, learning bits and pieces of Hebrew from the commentaries as I go. When I said that they translated scripture, it wasn't the whole Bible, it was the old, pardon me, when Stephen Catherine years ago translated the scripture, they did the New Testament, which is common to start with the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament, of course, is written in a different language originally, uh, different challenges, Hebrew is a hard language and so forth. Well, this is, I think, the first time I've heard Steve mention Old Testament. He's working on Nehemiah and learning uh, some about that. 
pretty tremendous, because I've been amazed by his knowledge in the New Testament, but now the Old Testament. Uh, he does say that a lot of the uh, traveling uh, has been uh, canceled this year, because even though he's mainly at home, he would go to either conference teaching others or even back to Papua New Guinea and helping them with translations there. Uh, he's a busy guy. So much of that has been canceled. Um, travel, uh, the travel's usually uh, to Australia first, and right now there isn't. So that part is uncertain, but the work goes on, and it's tremendous work. Tom Randall. I say that name, and if you know him, you've been around this church while your eyes kind of light up. Tom Randall, love the guy. Uh, incredible man. I'm not even going to say too much about him. Wonderful guy. They had a, a shift in ministry in some aspects uh, several months back. It's not significant in the sense of what he does and who he is. Uh, the man is incredible. If I read this, you're going to think, is this real? It's real. It's real. He's real. And uh, let me just read this, and I'll try not to comment. But uh, this is Tom's latest uh, letter. The, the print's small. I may bounce around trying to read that, but let's see what I can do here. My new golfing buddy, John, is a decorated combat soldier and 30-year military veteran who served under Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld at the Pentagon. On September 11, 2001, at 9.45 a.m., John was just exiting the Pentagon. He immediately recognized the extremely low altitude of the 757 passenger jet banking toward him and the Pentagon. John's warning scream saved a number of lives from the horrific explosion and jet fuel and jet-fueled inferno and the structural collapse of the west portion of the Pentagon. Despite being covered in debris and jet fuel, John somehow survived without serious injuries. There's a praise. Tragically, 125 of his military and civilian co-workers at the Pentagon died along with 64 passengers on flight AA-77. John spent the next 48 hours with other officers securing classified documents and offices and identifying victims. <laughs> Pretty tremendous, his new friend. Third paragraph. You can imagine the joy and privilege I felt leading John to Christ on the golf course uh, during the pandemic. His new smile and enthusiasm for Jesus is infectious. He drives me to speak and play at different golf courses to play with uh, his friends. John coordinated for me to speak to his PTSD support group that meets every Thursday. Last week while playing golf, a helicopter flew over us and triggered a PTSD episode in John. I rushed over and wrapped my arms around John and prayed just as Karen and others have done for me many times. Jesus is our hope and refuge during life's episodes of pain, stress, and fear. He is our hope and our refuge. A pandemic does not shelter in place God's grace and redemptive powers. Got to read that again. A pandemic does not shelter in place God's grace and redemptive powers. Amen. Our sovereign and miracle-delivering God can use a widow's oil, mud and spit, a shepherd's sling, the ten plagues on Egypt, or even golf clubs during a pandemic. Anticipating that my opportunities to talk about Jesus would be severely limited by our shelter-in-place orders, I was desperate to say yes to any invitation, anytime, anywhere. Golf courses in Central Florida remained open, 
and it created a target-rich environment of golf, golfers for me to reach out to. There was a Korean group at Disney, 60 pro golfers at Mayfair Club, 30 Canadians at Mission Inn, Special Force veterans at Royal St. Cloud, Filipinos at Heathrow, etc. The diversity of races and ethnic groups here in Orlando is like in the United Nations of golf courses. It's mentally, emotionally stressed and in great need for hope and encouragement. He's preaching to so many people during times of where it's closed. It's emotional. Enter Jesus. I kept saying yes to the invitations and was rewarded with 32 different groups over nine weeks on 13 different golf courses, openly sharing the hope of Christ with men who normally would be resistant and do not darken a church door. This message of hope was suddenly embraced by these men during the pandemic. There is a cynical political strategy that says, don't waste a crisis. But for Christians, it is a reality. Christians show up with good news during a crisis and trouble when others retreat in fear. Our nephew, Mike Randall, bravely reports to work at a Michigan state prison despite the presence of COVID-19. Our niece, Dr. Sarah Svetich, treats her patients daily in Chicago despite driving through areas destroyed by rioting and looting. Our sister-in-law, uh, Michelle Durheim, courageously worked during the height of the crisis seven days a week at University of Michigan Hospital, caring for patients and for the staff. Even in the Philippines, uh, Dr. Ramirez, our godson and surgical oncologist, cared faithfully for his patients. These family members inspire me. Speaking to golfers is not much compared to these younger and talented relatives, but God uses what we have to offer. God uses what we have to offer. And one by one, golfers are coming to Christ even during a pandemic and national crisis. A pandemic does not limit God. In fact, God can use a pandemic for his purpose. He finishes off the letter saying, here are a few examples for you to think about when it comes to offering God what we have even in the midst of difficult measures or circumstances. He lists five things. I won't describe them at length. It's five scriptures where there's something actually very small that God could use. Uh, in 2 Kings, tell me what have you in the house. Remember Elijah, the woman with oil, had a little bit of oil? Uh, Exodus 4, what is in your hand? Remember Moses with the staff? It was a stick. And of course, the staff of Moses was tremendous. I mean, you know the story. In Judges, uh, with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down 1,000 men. First Samuel, this is about David, young David. He chose five smooth stones for a sling. Five stones and changed everything. New Testament, Jesus. Five barley loaves and two fish. So little bit that uh, all these represent, and yet so tremendous. Um, what came of that because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tom makes me excited. Tom makes me want to teach. I need to not do that. Um, thank you for supporting missions. Thank you for loving these people. Uh, love the Lord, but we don't want to just keep it to ourselves. Father, thank you for this letter from Tom. Thank you for this uh, letter from, uh, from Steve. 
thank you for the uh, other missionaries who I haven't mentioned today, but uh, they love you, they're, they're serving you, they're... Uh, I, know, I know all of them. I know them personally. I know they're all so pleased that we uh, are in partnership with them. I mean, they do the heavy lifting, but they appreciate us and our prayers and uh, the finances we are able to support. Thank you for them. Keep them in good health at this time. Keep especially with the virus, the coronavirus. May they stay in good health. Uh, help them in their ministry and their lives. All the things that we're feeling, confusion and stress and uncertainty, our missionaries are not super people. And so help them. Help them, Father. Be close to them. Uh, keep them strong. Give them a renewed uh, desire in, in their work of service to you. And uh, we thank you, God. We thank you with all our heart. Uh, thank you for the number of people we're going to see in heaven who we won't know at first, and yet they'll say, oh, yes, I, uh, your missionary came to where I was and told me about Jesus. Thank you for that, Father. We just give you praise, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a call going out across the land in every nation. A call to all who swear allegiance to the cross of Christ. A call to true humility to live our lives responsibly. To deepen our devotion to the cross at any price. Let us then be sober, moving only in the Spirit. As aliens and strangers in a hostile foreign land. The message we're proclaiming is repentance and forgiveness. The offer of salvation to the dying race of man. To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission. The spring from which our service the passion of